0: Amen. Thank you for that message and song. Turn with me in your Bibles to Judges chapter 7, please. Judges chapter 7. It's been a blessing to be able to look into this man Gideon's life. Last week we really looked into the fact that now his faith is sure. And uh, in Judges 7 in verses 1 through 15, and how that it is sign-sealed, it's done. God's gonna do it. Let's go. Yes, and whenever a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, it's you can't hold them back. It's just it's let's go. I I want to be saved. And then also for a Christian, somebody who's You know, they they trusted Christ to save them, but then, you know, it's the everyday life. I think Adam alluded to it, uh, just about how that it's, uh, we can become jaded. We can become just tired or maybe bitter, depressed. We can become any number of things, just kind of, you know, bowed down with the cares of this world. And, you know, it's just, it's like we need to come back to faith. Come back to a place of trust and dependence each and every moment of every day. And it's almost like, yep, God's in it. To go from to a place to where that, you know, God, what, what's going on? And, you know, I don't understand to, wow, God, I don't understand, but I'm, I'm going to depend on you. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, there's 300 against 135,000. Yeah. So they're in the midst of the enemy's camp. And so now Gideon's, you know, just resolved and, and, mm-hmm. and just confident in his heart. God's going to do it. So that brings us to uh, Judges 7, verse 16 says, And he divided the three hundred men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. We'll come back to that statement. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and a hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers, and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts. And the hosts fled to Bethshittah in Zerath and to the border of Mahola unto Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all the Mount of Ephraim saying, Come down against the Midianites and take before them the waters unto beth and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters unto beth and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. And they slew Oreb against the rock O Reb and Zeb they slew against the winepress of Zeb, and pursued Midian, and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. And we'll read through verse three of chapter 8. Judges 8:1 eight, says, And the men of Gideon, excuse me, and the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus that thou calledest not, when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they did chide with him sharply. And he said unto them, what have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Ebezer? God hath delivered unto your hands the princes of Midian or Ebenzeb. And what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their anger was abated toward him. So not only has Gideon's faith been maturing, but I want you to see the man himself maturing. And as we go through the process from the point of when he was behind the wine press and God began to speak to him and he fussed at God, now we see him being able to work and deal with groups of people. So not just himself, but, you know, uh, whole tribes of the nation of Israel. And so, and we find him not doubting anymore, but doing. I want you to see four things from this uh, particular area. Uh, or time in Gideon's life first the blowing of the trumpets and the breaking of the pitchers second the besting of a bigger army and then third we'll look at the battling the wrong enemy battling the wrong enemy which is what we see here with Ephraim yeah. and then fourth and last i want you to see uh, a bitter or a better gideon a bitter or better gideon And so the title of the message this morning is, The Big Battle. So there's a big battle with Midian, but there's also a battle within Gideon, and there's also a battle within Ephraim, and that could have been really bad. Mm -hmm. So there's battles everywhere we go. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, and Father, we just ask that as you begin to work in our lives and, and speak to us, that we would listen and that we would cry out unto you, Abba, Father, that relationship, we call you Daddy. Father, we just, we don't understand, but we're thankful that you desire that close of a relationship with us. Bless us now, in Jesus' name, Amen. So in verses 16 through 20 of Judges 7, we see the blowing of the trumpets and the breaking of the pitchers. Now, if you were a general of... The army, and you started off with 32,000 against 135,000. And then we're going backwards. We saw in how that uh, God said, uh, all those that are fearful and afraid can send home. So now we're down to 10,000. And then those that drink a certain way, you know, the peculiar ones, the 300, keep. So who is he with? Gideon's now with uh, the the different, the odd, A a select few. Yes, so maybe that's who we are today. But uh, I would not have drawn it up this way that, hey, this is how we're going to win a battle. That we're going to, with 300, blow a trumpet, break pitchers, and shout the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Yeah. Would you have drawn it up that way? No. No, no one would have. But see, that's with God, all things are possible. Yeah. See, he knew what it would take. He instituted things In the background. And in minds and hearts of the enemy. So you see in verse 17. Now though Gideon. He's become confident in his God. Look on me. And do likewise. Look on me. And do likewise. So Gideon's faith up to this point. Is kind of. eh. I mean it's not much to look upon. It hasn't been. I mean just. You know we we see him behind the wine press. And then uh, you know. The, the burning of, of his dad's altar. You know, he could have done that by day, but he did it at night. I don't blame him, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, then, you, you know, just the, you see the fleece. Mm-hmm. And then you see him having to go down to the camp and spy it out. And then, you know, the, here over here, just coincidentally, yeah. you know, yeah. the yeah. the enemy talking about how that, you know, the dream to dream. And that it's, it's surely none other than Gideon, the son of Joash. Oh, so look at all these things, and that's what brought this man to this point. So often we see a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, and we look on the the result, and we say, "Wow, you know, look how faithful he or she is. Look, look how you know faithful and and just you know dependable that person is. Yeah, that's." But what did it take to bring that person to that point? Yeah. See, we don't see that. We don't see the the, the amount of, of prayer and stumbling maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some temptations in there that, you know, uh, that didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe there's trials and tribulations that you don't, uh, and we don't see. But what we see is a result of a life that is fully trusting in the Lord. Man, that's... Praise the Lord for that. We can see those things. I mean, how do you see them? Not just in how a person carries himself, but what they talk about. Do they talk about... And are they critical of others? Or are they peacemakers? Are they... And we'll see that in Gideon here in a little bit. With Ephraim, he became a peacemaker. And you become... It's a maturing of the process. It's not so much... You know, the end result, it's the journey as well. It's the making of the woman and of the man. You know, as, you know uh, I've seen it this way, Save Teenagers, where uh, those um, uh, people of the town that uh, we came from, that uh, there's a grocery store. And the manager of the grocery store uh, asked uh, my pastor, so do you have any more young people that you can send to work for me? Do you know why? Because honest. they were dependable, honest. honest. They didn't fuss with everybody out and just into the, you know, the scene that everyone else was into. They were good workers. Do you see? That's what I'm saying. People can see the difference between a, a saved person, ideally, and somebody who is, uh, or maybe even is a saved person, but is focused on the issues. In their life. And if you're, you just focus on you, you're we're going to be a mess. Yeah. We will be. I mean, think of Gideon. He's going to take 299 other men. Or 300 other men. He's 301. There you go. Yeah. D- don't follow my math. <laughs> and, and you're learning. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, oh, this is not an easy situation, but he's he's. Fully surrendered, fully committed, look on me and do as I do. Yeah. And it just got me thinking of Gideon's faith that came to this point and, um, you know, the command of, of Jesus in essence of, you know, as I do, so shall you do. He's the example that he came as God but yet as man and lived a life in, on this world that he... Uh, we should follow in his steps. 1 Peter 2 21 says, uh, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Paul is telling this Corinthian church who's come a long way, come from the. Uh, just the idolatry and adultery and all the other altries. You know? There's all kinds of problems and isms and schisms. and uh, But with God, all things are possible. Mm-hmm. So he was saying, look, I tell you what. Follow me. Yeah. First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1 says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Yeah. Now, be careful with this in the sense of, be careful who you follow. Yeah. Because... Just because you're following somebody, that doesn't mean they're going to lead you in the right direction. There was a mom, uh, some type of a bird. Uh, It wasn't a duck. It might have been a pheasant or some kind. But had all kinds of little chicklets crossing the street. Right? You know? Just because mom's crossing the street in that case, you know, I almost accidentally made a pillowcase. Uh, I didn't mean to, but, you know, they just darted out in the road. It's like, Whoa! You know, obviously, kids follow your mom and dad. But as you get older, especially, you know, kids, careful you don't follow everyone else because where the direction that people are going is not always a good direction. Right. And then even, you know, you look across the pew or, you know, well, so and so's doing it. Well, just because so and so's doing something, that doesn't mean that it's right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Even in a church. So especially in our, in our county in our nation, what watching people do what they do, Paul said, "Be ye followers of me, as I am also of Christ, Amen. as I follow Christ, follow Amen. me." Amen. So that, that's the, the qualifier. Yes. So Gideon is saying, uh, "Look on me, yes. follow me." Yes. And you know like we're having parades nowadays, you know just this time of year uh, I like to see uh, marching bands being stepped. Have you ever seen uh, like a Highland parade? Where, you know, so imagine playing an instrument, you know, and marching in step. And it's amazing. You know what they're doing? Is they're marching to uh, the, the beat of the music, but they're following one person. You follow one person. Because if, what, if everyone is following somebody different, what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. That's always, you know, like the younger, uh, yeah, it's, it's cute. You know, watching younger kids just kind of play. Uh, I drove by one of the schools once, and, and I don't know, it seemed like there was about a thousand kids on a playground. There was only probably a couple hundred, but it looked like an amoeba, <laughs> right? What was going on? They, the, the teachers were like off to the side, you know, like, oh, you know, probably a post-traumatic stress, <laughs> you know, uh, but, you know, they seemed fine, but, you know, there was just kids everywhere, and what were they doing? They were just going, running, wow, Ooh. You know, kids sitting still for a long time is it's hard for them, you know, like, they like, they start vibrating. <laughs> So then they, you know, you send them outside, do, do something, do chores, right, kids? Isn't that great? That's a good way to, you know, blow off steam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. they feel strongly about that too. Yeah. They don't see the wisdom of No. So when there's a bunch of kids and they're just running around, you know, there's no, you know, real order. So God wants order. Right. Yeah. He wants us to follow him. Are you following him? And then may I ask, are you a good example? Can others look to you and say, as you follow Christ? Say, or are you a stumbling block saying, oh, well, they can be said of you. Well, so-and-so does it. So-and-so watches that. So-and-so goes there. So-and-so does this instead of whatever. So just be mindful. Look on me. And do thou likewise. 1 Thessalonians 1 6 says, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So it's a good example to follow the Lord. So, not just that, in, in Judges 7, now uh, Gideon says, Not just look on me and do thou likewise. So now. He's not just saying now. Now he's getting into the doing. He says in verse or uh, in verse 19 says, "So Gideon and the three hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch." Now here's where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. So remember now. Think back with me in this. Um, they Israel was up on a hill, and the Midianites were down in the valley. So. Gideon and Furah came down to spy out the camp. That's where they overheard the dream. Well, he went back up, said, Follow me, let's go. We're going to do this. So now the 300 come down. Now they're going to start to begin in circle, if you will, uh, a little bit, but this, it's a wide swath of humans yeah. and animals. And just, they, I mean, can you imagine? Hundred and thirty-five thousand. How much room that took? Mm. And here you come with three hundred. So, are they committed now? They're committed. So, we find Gideon back to the spot where he was not long before listening to the conversation of the dream. And so they they came around midnight or so. And uh, notice the three aspects of God's plan. There's going to be a great note. A great blaze and a great shout. So first of all, a great note. And this is going to be the blowing of the horns. And uh, uh, from what I understand, it's uh, a ram's horn. And the way this would work is, say you have an army. And there's, an army only has so many horns. It's, uh, it tells you where to go, when to go, uh, when to retreat. And an army only has so many horns. And it's mainly, like, say, uh, divided into certain areas and sections. Uh, so if a, if an army has 300 horns, right. a large that's a very, very, very large army. Yes, so you're going to have 300 men blowing this horn. Okay, so there's this loud horn, you know, but imagine, you know, just you don't see them have a sword yet, you know. It's just they have a, a pitcher and a horn. And so now they're on the outside of the camp. So notice now, not just a great note, but a great blaze. So the breaking of the pitchers would be alarming itself, if you will, the sound. Uh, so it's at midnight. The 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 enemy is more than likely asleep, and uh, the watch had just been changed, and so people are kind of you know just ugh. you know when you if you've ever been on watch before. <coughs> You've ever been woken up to go and stand at nothing? (laughs) I'll tell you this. It's boring. And your eyelids do funny things. I mean, they flutter. And I've been standing there on duty before with my eyes closed, swaying. (laughs) Asleep on my feet. Only once that I'll admit to, Mike. So... Yeah, it's, it's hard from when you're sleeping to wake up and to try to be vigilant. Yeah, it takes uh, a little bit. And then also, this, uh, it's a night battle, God's called. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. Because most of the time, the reason why there's not a lot of night battles is you can't tell friend from foe. Yeah. <clears throat> so because you can't tell the difference between friend or foe, nowadays, uh, what our guys carry uh, goes on their helmet, it's a little uh, white dot, and so on NVGs, or night vision goggles you can tell who's friend and who's foe. And in like tanks, they have transponders, uh, fighters have transponders, friend or foe. Mm-hmm. And in the computers, whoever's not a friend gets lit up. Mm-hmm. And you ask questions later. Yeah. Yeah. That's war. So, do you kind of begin to see what God's doing? He's going to sow this fear and discord. So people are just getting up and getting up to, to, um, uh, for guard duty. And so the guards aren't alert. And this uh, picture, this is interesting to me that the pitcher, And then there was a, uh, a lamp inside the pitcher. So what's gonna happen is it's gonna go from, the picture was snuffed out the light, so then it's gonna go from pitch dark to light. And that's very hard on your night vision. Yeah. And it, it's, it overwhelms your senses. Put it this way, uh, when I was in the military, um, and, and we were in uh, a, uh, let's just say a, a sandy place, okay? Uh, aircraft in the night, they would call up with their night vision goggles and they'd say, please turn off the runway lights. You know, next time you're in an airplane and you're taking off or landing in a dark, do you want the runway lights on or off? Yeah, you would like them in the Oscar November position, on, right? No, turn them off. They're going to take off in the dark you know how easy it is for an air traffic controller? I can't see them. Yeah. So my job's done. I just, you know, I can't see. I have my night vision goggles. But when you're inside, if you've ever, has anyone ever used them? They're, they're kind of cool. It refracts any different kind of light. So if you're indoors, you can see your, your reflection in a window. Yeah. It's, like, kind of creepy. So you have to almost go outside. But if you have those night vision goggles on, I've looked into the light on accident and it hurt my feelings I felt strongly about that so that's what we're seeing here these guys don't have night vision goggles they just have their mark one eyeball and now you have all this light so you're having a loud noise not just with the war horns but the breaking of the pitchers now you have the light so God is assaulting their senses And now you have a great shout. So what are they shouting? They're going to shout two things, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So it's interesting to me since God was concerned that Israel would vaunt themselves up and take credit. Notice who is first mentioned. This is what I want you to say. I want you to the sword of the Lord the Lord here is in capital letters. That's Jehovah. Yeah. So That is, God did it this way on purpose because Midian would know who Jehovah is. They know. Well, just remember, we're in Judges. What about uh, uh, the Canaan conquest in Joshua? What about coming out of Egypt? What about, I mean, Og? And and all kinds of different examples of God just doing amazing things. (laughs) The sword of Jehovah is here. So that's how you would wake up. That'd be kind of frightening, don't you think? Oh, and of Gideon. So you know the man that you've been dreaming about, that you're afraid of? So there's they're already afraid. All God is doing is blowing on the embers of fear. And it, that's where it's like, I wondered before I studied this out, why was they so afraid? Why did they begin to fall on each other and kill each other? Well, this is all God was doing. Yes. All Gideon and the men had to do is be faithful. Show up, yeah. blow a horn, break a pitcher, and hold up a lamp. Yeah. And shout, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Yeah. The rest of the God did it. Uh, right? Yeah. God did it all. Right. Yeah. And then so what's going to happen now is... is uh, the, the men just begin to fall on each other because Proverbs 28.1 says, uh, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a fear already, and a fear of God is what it is, yeah. but uh, God is getting all the credit, and, and uh, it's just amazing to me how God did this. 2 Corinthians 4 says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So I think of those clay pitchers. You know, those are earthen vessels. And may may we be as those earthen vessels. Broken. So that the light may shine. So you have what the... You have uh, the, the horn, the, the trumpeting sound. And I, I would liken that unto the sounding of the gospel. And because there is a trump coming. Yeah. But that's God's going to call those that are his. Yeah. So we should be blowing the trumpet of the gospel. Uh, because there is a coming trumpet. Yeah. And so then you have the earthen vessels that are broken. So that the light will shine. I think of a, a, a light that's set on a hill so that those that can, you know, oh, there. It's like the city of refuge. Hey, I need to go there. I need, where? where is it? Yeah. So like our church is set up on a hill. Is your life set up on a hill? And does it shine bright? Or are there things obscuring your light? God's desire is that we would not hide our light under a bushel, but to set ourselves on a hill and shine brightly for him. This is so that those that are desiring to come to Jesus know where to run. Amen. So now we see the not just blowing of the trumpets and breaking the pitchers, but besting the bigger army. Verse 21, they begin to slay each other. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the hosts ran and cried and fled. This is not an orderly retreat. This is a run for your life. This is every man for himself. This is like food, but backwards, right? It's it's chaos and confusion. And they began to fall on one another, and and, uh, it was a stampede. And uh, you ever see those videos of the running with the bulls? Who would ever want to do that? <laughs> that that doesn't make any sense so you pay to go there to get trampled and gored by a running of the bowl you know like also, that would be me like on a um, you know up high on a veranda looking down what you know if ever I were to do that so you're like yeah it could be Yeah, Zacchaeus, yeah, I'd be up in a tree watching those things. (laughs) There you go. But if you've ever seen a stampede before, it's, uh, yeah, not to be in the way. You know, just whenever you see the, you know, like running of uh, deer, you know, you see one or two deer cross, what's usually going to happen? Slow down and stop because there's more coming. What's going on? Something spooked them. I've always, you know, like I'm always curious what spooked them. Is there a critter in there? Or is it just, you know, some little human that, you know, was just walking through the woods. Thing is 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 when there's a stampede, when the when the herd mentality comes through, there is no it's every every person for himself. May that not be in our church. May that not be in your life of every person for themselves because what happens is you don't care about anybody else you only care about you getting what you want right now and then in this case is to get someplace safe that was an appropriate time fleeing and shutting the door <laughs> but I like verse 22 where it says and The 300 blew the trumpet, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. So who did it? The Lord. Lord. The Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. So we see the Lord doing the work. Gideon can't take any credit. No one can take any credit. God is doing the work, and he's sown all the terror. He's sown all the discord. You know, who can put dreams in people's minds? Only God can. So it turns into a route, and then any time you see an enemy not do a fighting retreat, what a fighting retreat is, you retreat by groups. Because if everyone turns their back and runs, what happens? You're going to get cut down. So what is called a fighting retreat, where you retreat by groups. So some stay and fight, while the others... Retreat and you retreat by steps, is how this works to a defensible position. Uh, the Nazis did this very, very well. They would build uh, defensive lines and they would fall back to them in World War II, especially like in places like uh, Italy, where they were uh, our forces were going through. They would just fall back to other defensive lines, I and mean, they wouldn't lose very many troops, but. That's what you should do. These guys turned and fled. And then in the way, if there was anybody in the way, the guy that they ate dinner with, yes, sorry, they're not seeing friends or foes. They're just seeing, they're out of their mind is what I'm trying to say. They're insane with fear. And if you've ever seen anybody like this before, you know, a 100-pound person can throw a 400 pound person out of the way. You know what I'm saying? You're filled with adrenaline and it's just so God is doing this and this is how you beat a bigger army. 135,000 through maybe another small battle of Ephraim and you know Israel gets involved. So the, it's going to go from 135 down to 15,000. It's kind of like a an easier bite to chew, don't you think? I wonder how many I think most of them fell man that was louder up here by the way (laughs) yes we were talking about fear and uh, so I think we're getting a breeze now yeah oh alright where was I <laughs> Whew, that was frightening got my attention so best thing of the bigger army now in uh, we're gonna see battling the wrong enemy battling the wrong enemy chapter 8 verse 1 says "And the men of Ephraim said unto him call us or, why hast thou served us thus that thou callest us not when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites and they did Chide with him sharply. So what's interesting is if you go back to Judges 6, we won't for time, but Gideon, when he called Israel together, he was only led to call certain groups, certain tribes, one of them being Manasseh. Now Manasseh and Ephraim were brothers, Joseph's kids. And uh, can you say competitive? (laughs) Trying to outdo one another for honor and, you know, it's just a brother is born for adversity, the Bible says. Well, it seems like they took that to a whole new level of they were for adversity for each other, right? Knock down, drag out. Uh, it's the way a lot of siblings are, aren't they? You know, chasing each other with knives and stuff. But not that our kids would ever do that. Yeah, with a hammer, yeah, with a hammer even. Just a baby one. But notice their beef here is that, uh, why hast thou served us thus? Man, the battle's practically won. And they were called at the end of 7, uh, in, in verse 24, and Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mount of Ephraim. Look, Ephraim, just so you know, I'm trying to be led of the Lord. I didn't call you back then. It's, you know, nothing against you, but, you know, didn't you get to win here? Oh, and by the way, what if God was trying to spare your feelings? Because most of the people that got sent away before... Were what? Fearful and afraid. How many of Ephraim would have been sent away? Only to be called back, maybe. You know? Regardless, they are feeling very, very upset. What should their attitude have been? Praise the Lord. Look at all that he's done. I mean, you just look at what God used and took and magnified it, which God does. He makes something out of nothing because that's who he is. He does that in our lives, but he can do that in every little detail of our life if we let him. So they're upset because they're not getting any of the glory, if you will, because other people were there the whole time. What's uh, this phrase, and they did chide with him sharply. Chide here means to contend or to complain. To contend or complain. complain. You know, we can have people like this in our life sometimes. You know, we're trying to serve the Lord or do something, and then sometimes, and people, they mean well, but they can say, well, you should do this, or you should do that, or, you know, just, just be careful that you're not like Ephraim. Be careful that you're not uh, working against the Spirit of God, trying to help, Right? just trying to say something nice or trying to do, you know, trying to be helpful because it's not helpful. Because just be led of the Lord, not just be like Peter, not knowing what to say, said on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know? And then at another time, the disciples, you know, were like, oh, let's call down fire. No. Jesus said, you know not what spirit you are of. So, Saved people can be used of the enemy to say things at the wrong times and can discourage and quench the spirit. You know what? I've, I've heard people say they're going through a hard time. I don't want to go to church. Well, why not? Because people will come up to me and they'll say things. They're trying to be helpful, but it's not helpful. Well, just trust the Lord that's not helpful do you know what's helpful i'm praying for you is there anything that you need that's helpful not of well you should do this well you should do that no no don't do that just it, you do it for them if you have an opinion just do it and it's amazing it's 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 different and if you don't, know, if what i'm saying doesn't make sense then you might be part of that. Because well-intentioned people can be very discouraging at times. Well-intentioned, not knowing what to say. And, and if you don't understand, or you know, if I'm not coming across clear or whatever, just ask me later. I'll give you examples, and then help, try to help you with this. Being and in, in, in going through grief counseling and, and whatnot, working with parents that have just lost babies, either full term or preterm. You know what, what I'm saying is, you know, there's things to say and things to not say. Right? So, Ephraim, not the right thing to say. But I like, God's brought Gideon a long way. Amen, amen. A long way. Our tendency is to respond how? In the flesh. Oh, yeah? To mm. get spun right up and to uh, just respond. What usually are those responses? Nasty? Mean? Argumentative? How much does that help the situation? It doesn't doesn't i like how he responds verse 2 and he said unto them what have i done now in comparison of you i mean he's he's exhausted and we're going to see him faint yet pursuing still with his 300 those 300 throughout chapter 8 is still chasing the enemy you see get in with his 300 he doesn't link up he doesn't take more he just his 300 and they're going they're 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 still doing. They're And he's trying to chase, and then now he's being stopped. So Ephraim's hindering him, and hes they're hindering God. What have I done now? And comp- is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? Now, Abiezer is a family of the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh, like I said, is brothers to Ephraim. And, you know, there's that... that um, Kind of like unhealthy competition almost. Just I need to win. And Abiezer is, you know, just a nobody in that in the family of Manasseh. And so he's trying to say how much better they are than than his family. And so and, and verse three, look what God's done. God's delivered into your hands these two princes, Oreb and Zeb. Didn't God already give you uh a, a great reward a great victory and so he answered a, so, a soft answer turneth away wrath yes. yeah. he answered softly he was under he was under the spirit's control even though the men of Ephraim were not so it's possible mm-hmm. it's possible to stay under God's control yeah. Yeah. even though, uh, there's, you know, I've heard the saying, I'm about to lose my religion on this person. Oh, meekness. meekness, sure, it's, it's under control. Strength or power under control, that's meekness. So you have this battling the wrong enemy, but the response of Gideon is, he's is he bitter or better? Bitter. He's better. Now, the next stage in, in is. There's going to be more people against him. And I think he responds a bit strong. But just how are you enduring the trials, circumstances in your life? Are you becoming bitter? Because if you're a bitter person, you would respond in anger and retort back strong. And, you know, things would have to always be your way because you know, I, just, I don't wanna deal with people. That's a bitter person. A better person is somebody that's like, hey look, here's one for you, working with volunteers. Volunteers, do you know you, you, you can ask people to do things, but you can't fire them per se. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like a, volunteer, a willing volunteer, woohoo! But usually volunteers have opinions boo. No, I'm just kidding. But um, we all have opinions. How strongly you feel about your opinion. Equally, you know, how usable you are. The stronger your opinion, the less usable you are. Rachel's dad would ask for volunteers from young men sometimes to do a job like uh, a roof. Like, you know, the roof that just blew off. He wants... Strong backs and small minds. You know what he means? Somebody that just will listen, follow directions, do it my way, his way. And, you know, just I'm using you for your muscle. And that's, I just got to thinking, Ephraim was just used of God. They saw a great victory, but they wanted, you know, maybe more glory they, wanted, they felt slighted in some way. So do you feel slighted by the Lord in some way? If so, it'll reflect in your demeanor. It'll reflect in how you interact with people. And Gideon just responded, I, I thought, very well. He diffused the situation. Yeah. And it says in verse 3, the end, Then their anger was abated toward him when he had said that. You ever wanted words back? Yes. Have you ever, you know, it's just and it's you're getting spun up and it's like you're seeing them leave your mouth and it's like, "No, get back here." Get back here. No, oh, that's the yeah, that's the wrong word. We'll close with this. If turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. This was the kind of theme for the ladies retreat. It's very appropriate for this passage. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. How? With all lowliness and meekness. So how much pride would be present? Zero. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So this is lowliness and meekness. We have to ask God for these things. They're not present. You know what's present in you and me all the time? is flesh, pride. Long-suffering, suffering, suffering, long-forbearing, putting up with one another. How? In love. That... You know, love covers a multitude of sins. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Or I I just kind of made one. This is, you know, not in your King James Bibles. But Father, forgive them, for they have not a clue. You know? But sometimes that's you and me, too. So if you're giving grace, then... One day that might be you that needs grace. But if you're not one to give grace, but to be gruff and sharp and, you know, just be mindful. Don't just say, well, that's just me. No, well, yeah, it's just you. You need, you need God to work in your life. Because you with God would not do that. because without God, we're short-tempered. Where instead of the James man who is uh, slow to wrath, or sorry, yeah, yeah. We without God, we're going to be quick to anger and quick to speak. Instead of slow to anger and slow to speak. Because our mouths just go to town. So, would you stand with me? So where do you stand? Are you bitter or better in this battle that's, that's our lives? Are you growing in grace? But in order to grow in grace, you must be born again. So if you have any questions about anything I said, I'd love to speak with you. I'll be in the back uh, greeting you after the service and... Just, uh, uh, I just want to challenge you now, just be better. God wants to make us better, all right? Remember our service tonight at 6 o'clock, and uh, looking forward to uh, continuing looking at a hasty spirit in regards to finances. And uh, it's amazing how this works. It, it affects our whole life, All right? Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. I'd like to ask Brother Mark, if you'd close us, please. Father God in heaven, we just want to thank you for who you are. We're thankful for all you.